We talk about respect. We talk about respect around the country. One thing that we want more than anything else, and that's respect. Welcome to the Always Irish Show. A whole lot of Notre Dame football and a little bit of everything else. That's right, welcome into a draft edition of the Always Irish Show. Thank you for joining me. It is Saturday around noon, so if I miss anything in the draft, that's probably why I wanted to do a show. Um, And I got enough information to go off of just off what I've seen. So that's the deal. If I miss anybody, don't mention them. If they came after I recorded this, that's obviously why. Let's get the propers out of the way, then we'll get into this. Obviously on YouTube, Always Irish. Twitter, at JKZND4. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all brought to you in part by Big Heads Media. Like, subscribe, share, review, write mean comments. I don't care what you do. I just enjoy the interaction, okay? So so let's get into this. Let's talk about the first the first few days of the draft here. So first, some general things, and then we'll get more specific. So here's the first thing overall. I think you have to commend the NFL for how well they've pulled off the digital aspect of this. I, I don't think people realize how much BS technical stuff goes into doing this and wiring all these people's houses, the players, the coaches, the GMs, all this kind of stuff and having it all work relatively well. So I do think the NFL has pulled this off and you have to commend them because this is a big undertaking. If things went wrong, it'd be a big damn deal. So I got to credit their IT people, whoever figured all this stuff out. It did work and they're doing a really good job with that. The next thing is, this Roger Goodell character is hilarious. Like, it's entertaining to me to see even the digital booze, which you know bother him, but it, but he has to lean into it. Oh, come on, give me more, keep it coming. Yeah, we'll keep it coming because nobody likes you. You make over $40 million a year and no one likes you. Okay, $40 million plus a year this guy makes. Okay. Be better at what you're doing. Make better decisions for $40 million a year. But anyways, the guy has no choice but to lean into it. Yeah, keep the booze coming, man. Okay, people will. So that's a riot to me because he's got to lean into it and act like he's playing along, but he really doesn't like it, which is awkward and hilarious for me to see and enjoy. Also, did you see he starts out all officials standing there announcing the picks and all this stuff? And then by the end of last night, he's sitting there on the recliner like everybody else who drank 80 bourbons. Hey, oh, the next pick, somebody's picking this guy. Congratulations. Ah. The guy's hilarious. So I found that very entertaining. Uh, I thought that was a funny little piece of this to see him last night just checked out, bro. Now, Goodell aside, I got to ask this, and I started noticing this very early on in this draft coverage. And I want to see, I I know I'm not the only one because there's a million tweets about this now, not just mine. 
I don't understand why on the biggest night of these kids' lives, their happiest night of their life, they've worked their whole life to reach this goal, and then ESPN's going into a depression highlight reel of every single family's worst nightmare. Oh, congratulations, you just got drafted. Remember that your dad's not here because he's in prison because he's a felon? Oh, well, now everybody in America knows that. I do not understand what they're doing. I don't get it. So listen, before you say, oh, John, you're a jerk. It's about the human side. You got to show these stories. Here's the issue with that, okay? You can only do that so many times, right? Like even on ESPN game day where Tom Rinaldi would do like, remember uh, Pass Right with Charlie Weiss? Remember with that kid and 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 he was to, wanted him to call a play, pass right, and then our guy jumped over people, and it was it was this touching story on game day with Tom Rinaldi, smooth talking, calming voice narrating it. Fine, you do one of those per day. You can't have two dozen draft people and you're out depressing each one. Oh, and then this guy stumbled into traffic on PCP and got hit by a pace bus. It doesn't work. It's disingenuous when you overplay the 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 heartwarming, heart-wrenching pull on the string story. You can't do it for every single prospect. You just can't. You show your colors as being disingenuous when it's 20 times a night. We got to hear about everybody's worst family nightmare on the best day of their lives. There is a very fine line between highlighting somebody overcoming these odds or something like that and just being disingenuous. And, and there's a very fine line there, okay? Pick the one or two most tragic stories in the night. Highlight those. Otherwise, let it be football, okay? Nobody needs to know that I don't even remember the player, but the one that got me was it's not even like, oh, their brother died, their cousin died, their dad died. All the, It was dad committed a felony, now he's in prison. Why does everybody in America need to know your dad's in prison? That's embarrassing family information that is, quite frankly, none of my damn business. So I just don't understand it. Like, oh, pulling on the heartstrings, it makes it more human. You can't go down that well 20 times a night like they're doing. It shows that you're disingenuous. This gets back to the root of why I don't like ESPN. There is always an angle with ESPN. Always an angle. They can't just let something be what it is when it's already good enough. They always have to manufacture some angle. Always. That's why I only watch three things on ESPN live games where there's no other way to get it 30 for 30s where they don't do the directing and, and dictate everything and the last dance about the bulls which is the same thing an outside director okay other than that i don't watch this station because there's always an angle that's not necessary that they feel they have to push and i don't know why but this has been disturbing to me. It's like, oh, congratulations, you're in the NFL. Your dreams came true. Remember your dad's in jail? Like, come on. 
I don't need to know this stuff. I don't need to know that. You're overdoing it. That's what they do. That's why I don't watch any pregame shows for football. That's why I don't watch game day. I don't, I'm not interested. I don't know how to be more clear about that. I am not interested in their manufactured stories, all their preconceived angles they're going to push. That does not interest me. I turn it on when games kick off because that's what I care about. Not their angles they're trying to push into everybody's brain at home. Not interested. So, aside from that, if you want to talk about the actual draft, I think a couple things stick out to me so far. Number one is, I would love to know what Aaron Rodgers thinks of the Packers taking a quarterback. He needs offensive help, and I know he wanted offensive help. And instead, they drafted his replacement. Now, the odd thing with that is, Aaron Rodgers himself was in this exact position when he was drafted. So he knows exactly what that's like. But he's such a weird dude anyways and always seems to have an issue. doesn't talk to his family, all this stuff. I guarantee he's seething because he wanted help and they drafted his replacement. That's entertaining to me. Also, if Tua's body ends up in one piece, that's going to be a steal. Okay, That's going to be totally worth it, paid back in spades, if his body holds up for him. Okay, So there's a couple things. Now, moving on to... Uh, moving on, well, before I get to the Bears, I want to point this out. Of the, of the first round, 32 picks, only six of those players selected were not four- or five-star recruits coming out of high school into college. That's important to note because there's always this crowd that will tell you, recruiting rankings don't matter. It's how you come together as a team, how you develop, finding diamonds in the rough. Yes, you're always going to be able to find these kids that were two stars and then they turn into great players, but it's rare. The evidence is in, the facts show it, okay? So whenever somebody tells you recruiting rankings don't matter, look at who's getting drafted in the first round of the NFL. Most of them are the kids everybody thought was great coming out of high school. So that's total BS. Never listen to anybody who tells you those recruiting rankings don't matter. They're not important. It's simply statistically and factually inaccurate and made up. And people who say that will never say that if their team they follow is in the top five or ten in recruiting. It's always the lower teams. And to make yourselves feel better, fans of those teams will say, Oh, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. We develop our guys. We don't need to recruit these five. You know, it's never the teams that have all the talent that think that. Don't you find that ironic? It's always the the lower ranked recruited teams. And then you got to make yourself feel better as a fan by saying these rankings don't matter. It's just simply not true. Look at the evidence. It's right there for you in, in your face. So let's hit on a couple of the Notre Dame guys real quick. So obviously... The Bears pick up Cole Komet, and there's a whole bunch of interesting dynamics with this. First off, Notre Dame now has the most ever draft picks that end up on the Bears. Komet makes 42. Now, it's been a while since we had the last one, but 42 overall. So there is a historical pipeline there between the Chicago Bears and Cole Komet. The other reasons this is interesting is, obviously, Cole... I'm in Illinois. The Bears are my NFL team. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not a diehard Bears fan. 
It's not emotional to me in the way Notre Dame is tying in religion and heritage. The Bears are the, my team. I never miss a game. I know everything going on, but I'm not crying and screaming and yelling with all their games like Notre Dame. So I'm not acting like I'm a diehard, but I, I follow the Bears very closely. And and so the, the interesting thing is the Bears now have 10 tight ends in their organization. I am not exaggerating. They literally have 10. The issue is they're not good. So that's how you end up with Cole Komet. Do I personally think the Bears had other needs that were a little bit more pressing at the moment? Maybe, but I understand the Cole Komet pick. It's like all these people on Twitter, well, they already have nine tight ends. What do you need another one for? Because those nine aren't any good. Duh, that's why. Because those nine aren't any damn good. That's the point. Practice squad, cut them, special teams, whatever you want to do. But they're not good. So that's how you end up doing this, okay? And so you have that, and then you just have that Notre Dame-Chicago connection. He's a Chicago area kid. Like, it's a dream come true for him. Grow up a Bears fan, play at Notre Dame, and then you get to go back home to where you're from and play for your home team. That's an absolute dream come true that this kid has earned by working his ass off. So congratulations to Cole Komet. While I think the Bears have other pressing needs, I couldn't be more excited to watch him every Sunday from now on. Fantastic. Love it. So while that's a really cool story, the Aquara story is even better. Now these guys both end up on the same team. Like, think about this. This is literally every kid that grows up playing sports. This is the completion of your absolute dream scenario. You grow up, you're good athletes, you get to play at Notre Dame, and then you go into the NFL and you're playing together on the same squad. Like, that is such an unbelievably cool and rare thing. It's just the ultimate family dream come true. So I couldn't be more thrilled for those guys. That's going to be a riot and so much fun. Happy for their family. Um, Claypool with the Steelers. Here's what I like about this. Sometimes our guys get drafted into these dumpster organizations where you just see the writing on the wall. You know the organization's crap. And it's just not going to work out. That happens with our quarterbacks sometimes, too. The nice thing about going to the Steelers is they're one of the few organizations that's rarely a disgrace. They have good ownership, rock solid. Even if they're not elite, they're usually not down in the dumpster for multiple years and then piling it on worse and having to dig out. It's a very Pittsburgh is a very structurally sound organization and has been for a very long time. So that gives me comfort in terms of Claypool. Also, I I think he could become really, really good, and that ends up being a value pick getting him. So that's a good fit. And then Troy Pride with the Panthers, that's fine. That's great. I'm glad to see him come off the board. Maybe he'll make Pigskin Pete happy, make a place for the Panthers down there. That's his neck of the woods, his team. So I like to see that. And... Sorry if anybody else got picked, but uh, I missed it because I started recording. Um, and so one more thing before I finish this is, now this is going to change as I'm doing this. The draft's still going on, so it's, it's probably not accurate. But at the time I wrote these notes, as far as draft picks so far this year, SEC 40, Big 10 17, Big 12, Pac-12 12 each, okay? LSU 10 guys, Alabama 7 guys. It's helpful 
to take a mental note of where the best talent's coming out of. It just helps you have an overall picture of the, the landscape of college football. Look at where the most talent is and where it's coming going in and then coming out of. It's down south in the SEC. That's and well and Ohio because of the job Ohio State does recruiting and developing. So it's just it's important to keep an open eye and notice where all this talent is accumulating and where it's coming and going from. The SEC. Stay down there and recruit your butts off. Okay, that that's my recommendation. So that's all I have. I just wanted to do a short thing, share my thoughts. What do you guys think? Am I being crazy about ESPN? This is the depression draft. This is this is whose tragedy is worse draft. Okay, this is this is yeah, he runs a four three, but you know what? I don't think his life story is depressing enough. We're gonna drop him on the draft board. Damn it. Okay, so I just don't understand it. Let me know if I'm being oversensitive to this. But I truly don't understand going to the depression well 80 times in two nights. It's overkill, and that's why I don't watch that channel. Till next time, we'll talk to you on Twitter. Have a good weekend.